Welcome to Fifth Draw Wild, everybody. I'm your host, Matt, and before we get to the first of our two-part episode today, uh, we had just a couple things we wanted to talk about. Firstly, our second episode of our new podcast, Hard Reboot, has come out. Have you given it a listen yet? If not, why don't you go listen to it? It's a really fun episode. Second, we say this at the end of every show, but ratings and reviews are very important to us. They are one of the primary ways that we can spread this podcast to new listeners. So if this is something you've enjoyed, why not pop over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to this and and leave us a rating and review on it. If you know of any other review sites, let them know about us. Every way that we can find to get the word out brings new people in, and we want to share this podcast with as many people as possible. Now, enjoy the show. And our guest today is Corbin. Corbin, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Matt. Well, it's great to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you on. Um, so, Corbin, what are we going to be talking about today? Today we're going to talk about the uh, the mega franchise that is The Matrix. Awesome. Yeah, I'm excited about this. There's some uh, stuff to dig into on The Matrix. So, um, let's start out real fast. Um, Corbin, what was the first time you saw the original movie, The Matrix? Okay, so the first time, like, I even got it, like, mentioned to me, I was just, like, a kid in elementary school, and all these kids, like, got their parents to take them to it, and they were just like, oh, you have to see The Matrix, and then I'd be like, what is The Matrix? And they're like, we can't explain it to you! You have to see it for yourself. And I was... And I didn't get to see it until it was on VHS or DVD, one of those two. And I got hooked. And then I saw the rest of the series and I fit, ate into everything I could grab. For me, the first time I saw The Matrix, um, I think it was my first rated R movie in a theater. And it was my first IMAX. Oh, that, that was the same for me as well. <sighs> It was lucky to get that. You got the yeah. first one? <sighs> yeah, my parents, uh, we drove down from Austin to San Antonio to go to the IMAX theater down there, and we watched The Matrix, and I remember like just being blown away when Trinity uh, jumped across that roof over the street for the first time, just like right over your head. It was something <sighs> else on a screen that size. You're so lucky. I didn't get a chance to see until after that. But I saw each one in the in the IMAX after that. Oh yeah, there's no better way. Um, so we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to start with the Matrix. So Corbin, for anyone who may not have seen it, what is the Matrix? <laughs> it's funny that you asked that because that is the like in that that sentence was their ad campaign for the entire thing. There was not a single explanation of what the plot of the matrix was unless you had gone to see it let's uh let's go ahead and bring that back hollywood can, can we do that and not have so many spoilers <laughs> that would be lovely oh definitely going into it you think that this is just a weird kind of creepy sci-fi movie and then it just goes into the the full delve the matrix is about the the world as we know it instead of being the real world being a computer simulation run by I, should I even spoil it? No, I should spoil it. It's the yeah, yeah, plot it's, of the entire thing. If you haven't it's, even it's been it. this long, come on. <laughs> yeah. So uh 
long ago, the in the history of the movies, uh, the machines rose up against humanity, and in order to keep humanity in control, uh, in in uh, not in control, controlled, uh, they set up what is known as the Matrix, a simulated world that they plug humans into and then extract uh, the electricity from people's bodies in order to power the machines. And when you're inside the Matrix, it is essentially the turn of the century, and you're in a simulated world where you can interact with other people, but you don't know that you're actually inside of it. You think it's just the real world. Yeah, and your people are just going around doing everyday life in there. Exactly. And and then there are the people who are outside of the Matrix, who are from this world... Uh, this, uh, city called zion and they've escaped the matrix and they go inside to recruit people to fight against the machines and they explain to the people what's go they they find people who are already questioning reality they tell them that there's a true reality and then they bring them out of the matrix to help create the downfall of the machines Yes, and and into that kind of world we get our uh, our main characters. So, who who are our big characters in this movie? So starting off, we got to talk about Neo or Mister Anderson, as it were. Uh, he's your ordinary man. He's a computer programmer of some ilk or some white collar worker, but he is a hacker at night and is going through chat rooms trying to figure out what is the matrix because he knows he's heard of it but he doesn't know exactly what it is and he's questioning things around him yeah he's it's it's got a lot of alice in wonderland illusions to it in there it's oh yeah definitely going down the rabbit hole <laughs> yes follow the white rabbit which they 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 go really full hog into the whole like psychedelic dream world so much <laughs> yeah he uh so so that's neo in an in a nutshell in the beginning uh then there is uh the m other main character who is morpheus who his in who is a human that uh has figured out that the matrix isn't real and he's he has his own ship of other people who have been rescued and he is trying to track down neo neo uh he believes neo is the one which is a prophesized messiah who will save people from the matrix and bring about the downfall of the machines yeah and and we'll get more into that as we go on because that's a that's a whole can of worms Oh yeah, that that is. I have to give it to the Wachowskis. They know how to write a <laughs> a a story that has so many theories and head cannons that you can wrap your head around. That it's literally a web, a giant web of of information. And I think one one thing that's important to bring up when we're talking about Morpheus is. Um, kind of throughout every kind of appearance of Morpheus is he's the true believer. Oh yeah. He's like, the, he's the one who is setting everything up. He believes in Neo. He has blind faith in everything. 
Yeah, and that's going to be a big deal later on. Like it's, it starts out really nicely as he's just the leader who's driven by this prophecy and he believes it completely. Um, but it does kind of evolve with his character, like all these do. So, who is the third part of this uh, this main trio? Uh, the of the trio, well, that is Trinity. Trinity is. Uh... I don't know how you describe Trinity without her being connected to Neo. She is uh, one of Morpheus's uh, fellow uh, shipmates. Uh, she was prophesized to be essentially the lover of the One. And she tracks down Neo for Morpheus, keeps, makes, keeps tabs on him, and I... It's it's really hard to describe her. I feel. Do you have a better explanation? I, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna kind of turn into some of the um, Judeo Christian mythology that kind of permeates this a little bit, like it's very much the archetype that they built a lot of this on. Um, you know, Trinity is very much kind of the John the Baptist character, or or even later on one of the disciples a little bit. Um, Definitely in that. You know, she leads the way to Neo, and then she becomes kind of a follower, and like you said, the lover of the one, um, which is a whole other thing that we'll get into later again. Uh, yeah, it's it's very hard to talk about some of these characters with all the stuff that they do in the future. Yeah, and then there there's just kind of two two other main characters that I want to get to. Oh yes, I C- Cipher and yes, and the agent. Yep. Ah, so uh, I think we to talk. We should talk about Cipher. Uh, uh, the actually Cipher second because to understand him, you need to know about the agents. Yes, the bad guys, the agents of the system. So, the Matrix is a computer gro- program, like we said, but inside the Matrix are all these different programs that control everything, and. The agents are the control, are sort of like the Norton security, if you will, of the uh, of the Matrix. They make sure everything uh, goes correctly, that the the people who are inside stay inside, and that the people outside die. Yeah. And in particular, we have Agent Smith, who uh, would like to see humanity be destroyed or kept inside its cage and never never released. And the the agent's purpose is to make sure that red pills, uh, red pills, or the people who are outside of the matrix, don't leave. Don't leave, and if they do leave, that they die. Yeah, in in a weird way, they're kind of like the matrix's antibodies. You know, they're and they they see the the free humans as a virus, which is a weird kind of uh, kind of flip on its head of the usual portrayal um oh yeah because a computer program thinking that humans are the virus is definitely a, a an interesting parallel there as yeah. opposed to the other way around yeah and it's kind of creepy uh like smith gives a whole big talk in this one about how humanity is just a parasite that just consumes planets yeah you they go from one place to another place leaving destruction in their wake oh, so powerful and and then because the agents are there 
as like this as the system of control there is a person who we have to talk about cypher who is a person who has escaped the matrix but has been was what's the what's the term it's uh dissatisfied with how reality is he ends up saying he ends up he loves steak and he goes into the real world and everything is dead the only thing they have is egg goop or something and so he makes protein paste oh yeah it it tastes like tasted wheat tasty wheat yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh but the uh he he is the char- character who is, I, th- I feel like, the big driving force. Like, the agents are there, but they're always there. But the- he's the a- really big antagonist of this. He is the one that causes all the act- all the plot to happen. He wants to get back into the Matrix, so he makes a deal with the agents to say, put him back. And not only to put him back, but to even make him a an actor. <laughs> And a, yeah, and just a to wipe his memory and start over. Yeah, yeah. And so many people wish they could do that. Probably. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just he's kind of just the Judas in this story, and when they're when they're getting, you know, Neo's kind of like the last straw for him, and it's what causes him to kind of break and snap a little bit. Um, so so we have our cast of characters, and there's a few others that we'll pick up on as we go through. Um. So they they go and they find Neo and they convince him about what the Matrix is. Um, they pull him out, which is an amazing scene. Um, oh yeah, the the lead up to it is is also insane because up until this point, the you as the audience don't know what's going on, and you see Neo get captured by agents and they like put a CGI scorpion thing into his stomach. Yeah, and the and bug. there's. No literal bug. Literal bug. There's no explanation, and they just like his mouth, like just completely disappears. It melts until there's just flesh there. It is a really, if if you you have to go see this movie. If you if you the audience have not seen the movie, you 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 have to. Yeah, it's just it's that good. good. But yeah, the the explanation of like. If you want to leave the world, this world, you have to either take the red pill, or if you want to stay in dreamland, take the blue pill. Yeah, they're given the choice, which is so huge, and especially later on, but it's such a huge moment when Morpheus is holding out both of those pills to Neo, and it's like, we're done, you have to take the next step. Yeah, and... And it, that choice, it, 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 there's a saying that happens later on where they say you didn't f- come here to make make uh, to make the decision to make the choice. You came to find out why you made the choice, yes. and that's something that happens in every one of these every one of these properties, every one of these movies is just very powerful to think about because they the the whole the whole like facade of it is you have a choice and you have to make the choice that's what that's what all these movies are like pretend to be about and kind of you peel back the layers and it's like no none of these movies are about the choice you know the choice is already made long before the movie starts 
you know, before we even meet Neo, he's already decided to take the red pill. Oh yeah. And he knows. Yeah. And all these movies are just figuring out the why behind it, which is such a great, great, great tool that they use. Um, so Neo takes the red pill and leaves Dreamland and finally wakes up. And what does he wake up into? He wakes up into a post-apocalyptic wasteland of sewer sewers and uh, different, like I, I guess you could say it's like an underground cavern of just the detrit the the ruins of a long lost civilization. He wakes up on the Nebuchadnezzar, a hovercraft built by a bygone era that is just completely ramshackle. Like, you're in the Matrix, it's 1990s technology, but you're here, and it's advanced technology, but it all looks like it's come from a scrapyard. Oh, yeah. It's such a weird look. I love it. And it's it's so I feel like it's always blue inside the the ship like they're light blue, and and then when you're in the Matrix it's sort of like got a greenish tin tinge like they play with colors a lot in yeah. in this, and it just gives you the feeling that it's a completely different world, and it is a different world for Neo. It is like he he comes out of this pod and gets flushed down a tube and he's completely naked not only naked but hairless. And uh, hair- hairless, and he can't even use his eyes because he has never used them before. And in fact, all of his muscles are atrophied because, as far as his real body is concerned, he's just been curled up in a tube his whole life. And he's never exercised a day in his life. Is- yeah. And this is where we get into the like deep discussion of the 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 allegory of the cave that if yes. if you've had a philosophy class uh if you haven't had a philosophy class the allegory of the cave is that there's a cave and people are chained up inside of it and they've been born in those chains they have lived in those chains their entire life and the only reality they know are shadows on the wall and when someone comes down and tries to tell them that those shadows aren't real there and that there's a world outside they can't even comprehend what he's saying because they've only known the shadows and if it's 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 powerful it's the entire basis of the matrix yeah it it really is and it's the whole you know we're going to come to this later because it's a big part of of uh, the next two movies of the second two movies in the trilogy um we're going to come back to the nature of the Matrix quite a bit. So, oh yeah. Uh, so Neo wakes up. He gets woken up into this other world, this this real world, and they start training him. <laughs> training with floppy disks. <laughs> they download information right to his brain, and there's just this great moment where he just his eyes are like fluttering while knowledge is going into his head, and he just looks at Morpheus and goes, "I know I kung, know kung fu." fu. show me (laughs) yeah (laughs) that you that that is you 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 have that scene and then morpheus is like show me neo show me that you know kung fu and they go into the huge dojo this dojo where they fight together and then 
like Morpheus is faster and stronger and he was just like well you're faster and stronger than me and he says well what does that matter we're in a computer the you only don't... difference is your mind <laughs> you're the yeah exactly you you could be faster and stronger than me if you just thought you were <laughs> yeah if you believe it which is one coming from Morpheus is like well of course it's if you believe it or not that's what your entire life is but at the same time it's also like Okay, so literally in the Matrix, perception is reality. It, and and they even mention when they discuss the bodies of, of the people in the Matrix, they don't call them like avatars, they call them residual self-image. It is what your mind believes it's supposed to look like. Yeah. And, and, and there is a deleted scene, not a deleted scene, but a deleted idea from the movie where there was a character switch who's in the movie, but originally when she went into the Matrix, she was a man. Oh, that would have been so cool. It would have been so cool. And and knowing the Wachowskis, it's very much their like their life. Yeah. It, it, I wish they had left it in there. It would have been just so powerful. That definitely would have would not have flown in the in the late nineties though. <laughs> oh uh, definitely not. Weird how much we've evolved since then. In some I'm, ways, I am glad we're evolving more now. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, so so Neo gets trained, and they go back into the Matrix for the first time, and they're going in not for some grand mission. They're going in to take him to see my favorite character in this movie, in all these movies. They're taking him to see the Oracle. The Oracle is. The Oracle is amazing. You don't find it out in this one, but she is essentially... She is the one who told the uh, original prophecy of the one. Well, we can we can go ahead and spoil this. She's a program. She was created to be an Oracle, to identify what people's personalities are like and how they will react to situations and know exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, she is. She's a predictive algorithm, and 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 there, the first scene, Neo comes to the door. He's about to knock. Morpheus says, "I can only show you the door. Only you can step through it." And Neo's about to knock, and then the woman opens up the door, and she's like, "Oh, the Oracle was expecting you." And it's like, oh, like, and right from that entrance, you're just like, "Oh, this person's gonna be a son of." aren't they <laughs> oh yeah and 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 it's it's so weird because you're thinking like the oracle it's got to be this this magnificent like like oracle of delphi on the top of a mountain but no it's this <laughs> this old wo- woman who has an apartment building lives and in it's a sort of like a rundown apartment building oh yeah and she's just making cookies and she's there are other children who are inside the matrix who are there as potential ones who she's taking care of and it's so it's so powerful that that it's always just like oh they're also children oh yeah like like neo is clearly a child in this setting it's and it's, he's played by keanu reeves which is an important point oh um, definitely Neo is played by Keanu Reeves, so it's a guy in his what thirties, maybe yeah. early forties, and and he, he's just he's he's the 
he's one of those actors that they hire because he's the everyman like he his emotions are not very well shown but he is just like there to like he's a really good actor for like being the audience proxy i guess so one of the kids uh and this kind of adds to the weirdness of the setting because it's definitely in like a what looks like almost a 70s apartment uh in a rundown part of a city and there's kids there that are just like telekinetic and psychic and neo sits down with one of them a bald kid dressed like a tibetan monk (laughs) with a spoon in hand just moving the top of it with his mind not even touching it oh yeah and it's just like neo's just looking at it and the kid's just like i'm gonna blow your mind dude it's it's very similar to what morpheus was saying he in the original in the beginning he says like you uh neo's out of breath and he says do you think that that's air you're breathing but the the point is driven even harder when the kid's like you just have to realize that there is no spoon yeah it's it's such a cool moment that's just like you're gonna get this eventually and it becomes like a touchstone for him uh oh, later on in this movie and into the others a little bit so so this kid he's he's telling me all this that it's just this touchstone for for recentering himself because uh, eventually Neo kind of gets the trick a little bit, and Neo even kind of bends the spoon for just a second there. But it's always this this moment where when Neo needs it the most, when he needs to remember what's real and what isn't, it's always just like there is no spoon. It 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 is his mantra. Yeah, it's it, a great mantra. It, it is a great mantra. It is there is no limits. There are no. There are there's nothing keeping you back. It's really good for like an existential like push. I don't know. Yeah. But then we go into the Oracle where Neo meets her and she shows him how little that existential motivation is actually going to help him or she says don't mind the vase and he turns around and he immediately smashes it and what's going to really blow your mind is when i ask you if you think you'd still have broken the vase if i hadn't said anything (laughs) oh person it's uh, man if if the oracle wasn't already set up as like this program who is like so intuitive and so all this stuff. I'm like, she is a cold reader. She is just like, if I had said that and you just like saw the vase and you're like, okay, you wouldn't have thought of it. But like, it it just has another level of depth that makes her magical, but not actually magical. <sighs> it, it's a magic that gets, that gets subverted later on when it needs to be subverted. Oh, definitely. Um, but she, she just comes in and her one role in this movie is to do some, do some magical hand waving and then to look him in the eye and say, you're not it. (laughs) He's like, what? Knowing full well, what's about to happen. She told, she tells him no, but, but she's right in a weird like twist. Cause she says, you're not the one. And he's like, what, why? And she's like, well, I don't know. Maybe you're waiting for your second life. Who can guess? Oh yeah, yeah. It it is laying on the Jesus mythology real thick. Um, so 
Neo is understandably a little just like weirded out by all this. And he leaves and Morpheus just goes, what you heard is for you. And they immediately run into agents. Immediately. And and taking a couple of steps back, going to why they run into agents, Cypher has been trying to get back into the Matrix. And he actually, when they came in, tipped them off that they were going to that they were going to be in at this exact moment. So when Neo goes in back to where they have... Oh, uh, something we didn't mention before. The way that they travel in and out of the Matrix is through telephones. Yeah, dial-up lines. It's real good. <laughs> and it, it really has that... that Because like, this is around the same time when cell phones were kicking, were taking off and they were actually destroying telephone booths and things. So it's kind yeah. of like... You don't see telephone booths anymore, and you could say in like a sort of headcanony way that the reason we don't see telephone booths anymore is because the agents don't want us to leave. Yeah, there are, there are no more hard lines. Exactly, and the Neo gets to this building, and he and they're about to leave via the telephone, and he sees a cat walk by and shake and then leave, and he turns around and he looks back again and he sees the same cat walk and turn and shake in the same motion and he just goes oh deja vu and then everyone freaks out <laughs> everyone's like what did you just say deja vu and he's like yeah there was this cat it was just a weird thing it's like no this is this is in this is worrying the agents are here and he's like what and it's like well the agents have control of the entirety of the matrix they can make it look like anything they want so when they're prepared, they can just change things at will, like the building layout and and everything else. So when you see something happen twice in a row and it's a deja vu moment, which incidentally isn't what deja vu actually is, but it works for the script. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it, it means that they basically have been captured, <laughs> almost. It's a, it's a glitch in the system. It is... Uh. It re rebooting itself a little bit, and that cat even comes back later on. That stupid cat. Um, so we get this. We get this scene, and as per a lot of action movies, you know, people have die left and right to show the vulnerability. Um, oh yeah, all Trinity, the red shirts. <laughs> yeah, Morpheus sacrifices himself and gets captured to allow Neo the chance to escape. Um, because he's the true believer again, and that's what the true believer does. And so they're they're going through this this huge chase, this huge uh, chase across the city, and uh, Trinity gets out. And right as she's guilt going away, she sees an agent walk up, and the agent just shoots the hard line. And Neo's basically like everyone's yelling at him to run. And he just has this moment where you see him stop and just kind of like turn. And he's just like, I'm going to believe sort of. It's like the, he gets that a couple of times in the movie with like the lobby scene where he's like, I'm going to like, I'm, I'm going to fly up this elevator like Superman and there is no spoon. He gets shot at agents and he's just like, dodging it a little bit but he's like he's he 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 doesn't recognize it until that scene though that he yeah. can do this and and so he starts to fight this agent and he gets his butt kicked this first time um and eventually like 
he does get out of the matrix on this first run after facing down Smith a few different times. Uh, and it shows Smith like body hopping to try to cut him off, which is a real oh. neat trick. You stole my cell phone. You stole my cell phone. Boom, 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 boom. That is, I think that's a little bit further into the movie, but like, yeah, that's, that's, that's when they save Morpheus, right? Uh, well, he gets out, and they tell him what's going on, that, that Morpheus, they're about to unplug Morpheus so they don't get any information out of him. And that's when Neo is like, no, 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 we're going to go in and save him. Yeah, the, the he's like, the he, he not only that, like, they, they say, like, oh, Neo, you can't go back in the Matrix. Morpheus wanted to save you, so we're going to do what he said. And then Neo's just like, well, I'm not the one, so you don't need to save me. We need to save Morpheus, though. Yeah, and it's this cool moment where where Trinity's just like, that's not true. And it just goes unanswered for a while. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Because, yeah, it's it's very much a, like, she knows that he's the one, but she can't tell him why she knows. Well, But also, critically, he doesn't know he's the one yet, and it might ruin things. Oh, um, definitely. So they go back into the Matrix, and like you said, it's got the the lobby scene, um, yeah. And Neo fights with an agent on the rooftop and kills him. He uh, doesn't kill him though. N- N- um, uh, Trinity does because oh yeah, the, right to the side of the head. Yeah, yeah. Because that's that's the thing about the agents is that they are super strong, super fast. You can't kill them. They are one of the iconic enemy characters in anything i feel like they're right up there with big daddies like zombies vampires what have you they are just like strong characters and they the only way to kill an agent is to not to it's to run but it shows that if you can like trick them and get them into a checkmate situation you could defeat an agent but you can't actually kill him because he'll just body hop to the next guy down the street (laughs) Which is exactly what happens. Like, Trinity just puts a bullet in this agent's head, and then a door opens across the roof, and the same agent steps out of it. And then we've got the chopper scene. Yes. I think I, I should should have mentioned this at, at some point, but, like, one of my friends, their, fa- their father, like, worked in the office building that they were doing this in. What? <laughs> he, he was, like, they like the where uh, Morphia, like, I, I think it's, it might have been early on, but, like, the... He 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 always said that it was the the office that uh, Morpheus is sitting in is the is like the office down the down the room from him like down the hall. Oh wow! <laughs> and it's just but like they get into the chopper and they're just like hey hey uh, operator I need a uh, <laughs> I need to know how to fly a helicopter and they download the the helicopter training software into them the Gatling gun software. And and so Trinity's fly- piloting the helicopter. Uh, Neo's on the gun. They chop her down, blast everyone out of the room except Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus like snaps out of his little delirium. Smith comes out and he's like, "Damn it, you're not doing this today, Morpheus!" And sh- not he doesn't say that, but he's like, "Cold Stone Killer shoots Morpheus through the wall, nonetheless." And through his legs, so Morpheus doesn't quite make the jump, and Neo has to jump after him. But they keep shooting the helicopter. 
And then this is like, this was pinnacle in the 90s. Like the technology that they did for this, the helicopter is falling. Neo falls down onto the top of a building and he's like, I need to save Trinity. Morpheus, I think, is on the roof with him and he just goes, he sees it. He understands just a little bit. He swings his arm around a rope that's attached to the helicopter. Trinity grabs on and he pulls it out. And then the copter hits the building. And it's a reverberation. The not, It's not just an explosion. It's a slow down. And that's the, that's the style of the Matrix is when the big hits happen, the big hips happen slow for the impact to settle in and then spin and then you see every little detail the windows shaking the windows shat- then shattering the explosion and so like morpheus has this line where it's just like he is the one <laughs> and neo still doesn't really get it it feels like so they go on another run uh and they get they get morpheus out and trinity out and as trinity is about to tell neo what why she knows he's the one she decides okay i'm gonna go i'm gonna tell you when we get out puts the phone up to her ear and an an agent just shoots right through the headpiece agent smith rather by hugo weaving yep and and that's when neo just is like okay we're doing this (laughs) he's and that fight scene they they're shooting at each other they jump right up to each other they're shooting they're shooting it slows down the bullets trajectory everywhere is being shown and then they empty clips and then they have to fight hand to hand because that's the only way you can do action scenes that are this powerful this fight goes across the whole city oh yeah part of it because neo's trying to get out neo eventually kills smith at, by like a tr- killed by a train but then the train tr- conductor turns into smith and he starts running after him yeah and he's going through the city blocks and they're like they're in a marketplace there's a guy who has a cell phone neo steals the cell phone so he can contact the morpheus and everyone else and the operator and he (laughs) and the guy turns into smith and smith just starts shooting up the place eventually though neo goes back to the, one of the old hard lines that they had, which is from the original, like the original opening scene, where it's their Trinity is watching Neo from the heart, uh, the heart of Love Hotel or something, something God. like that. Yeah, it's real, real noir name. Real circular though. How like he comes back to where it all started, and the Smith knows the location, and so and so he, Smith is already inside. And Neo opens up the door, he hears the phone ringing, he's like, I'm gonna pick up the phone, and bang. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and and the agents are like, well, we killed the, killed the anomaly. We are awesome. And they start or, walking away. Or did we? <laughs> and Trinity starts talking to Neo in the real world. And she's like, you, you were... Y- the Oracle, you can't die because the Oracle said, I would love the one and I love you, Neo. I've only known you for about a week, but <laughs> probably <Yeah>. less. <laughs> and as soon as she says that, like, Neo's heart starts back up. Oh, yeah. And he gets up and Smith's just like, no, this is impossible. You're dead. And Neo just, they shoot him. He holds up his hands and all the bullets stop midair. Yeah, it's not... It's not a dodge. 
he just stops them and like his entire demeanor is changed he 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 has confidence he is like he's no longer the schlubby guy who is a programmer or a hacker he is now the one and he fights smith one-handed oh god and and then in like the climax of the fight he's he's just jumps straight into smith into his body and like the it's it's like the polygon sh- of that make up smith that like as a computer program in like CGI, his like expanding and explodes, and Neo just and Neo's just standing there, and he like flexes, and the entire hallway flexes. It like, ripples. He is just he has gotten to that point. He he has had his second life, and he has he is now the the one. Yeah, it's it's the whole. It is exactly the resurrection metaphor now. Um, and the agents just see him do this, and they're like, "Well, we're running." <laughs> yeah, and they just bye. So we're not gonna we're not gonna go into it. But like Neo gives a threat to the machines. Um, we but are he gonna does go ahead fly. and fly, <laughs> and flies, which is amazing in the Matrix, and gets kind of boring in the next couple. Um, well, well, that's the the matrix is is like your sci-fi film and the next one is kind of like your superhero film. We can do the animatrix. The animatrix. Yeah, and that's that's more or less in between the two of them is uh what was it? Flight of the Osiris led directly into Reloaded, right? Yes, Flight of the Cy- okay. Flight of the Osiris is a short film in the animatrix that is completely CGI. It was I believe written by the Wachowskis uh to together uh with the the people who did it uh essentially a crew called a crew of the hovercraft osiris which is another hovercraft ship in the matrix universe uh discovers that the machines are regrouping they are building more uh squiddies which we didn't get into them but they are the uh robots outside of the matrix that hunt down humans yeah it's the army it's the bad guys army more or less more or less yeah and they are drilling down to find zion which is holed up in the center of the of the world and they're trying to get down there and just destroy everything so the crew of the osiris uh realize they need to get information to zion but they can't they're too far away to broadcast directly to Zion. They have to go into the Matrix and leave a dead drop and set it up so that uh, someone can come in and collect it and give it to Zion to tell them and warn them what's going on. Yeah, and it's it's um, it's the last of the, the, um, the Animatrix features, the shorts that they do, and we'll get into some of those here in a second. Um, but it's the one that ties directly into Reloaded is it's uh, referenced in the plot. Um, one of the characters there says, you know, the crew, the, this was the final transmission from the Osiris. Um, and it sets the groundwork for everything that's coming next. And on top of that, it is gorgeous. Oh, yeah. It is, it, it, it is some of the best CG I saw at that time. Like, it is... you. A beautiful work. They even redid the uh, the dojo from when Neo and Morpheus fought. It looks almost exactly like it. And they have a weird like striptease katana fight. 
Yeah, it's, it's very anime. <laughs> very, very anime. And that's something that the Wachowskis have been very open about, is that like Ghost in the Shell and a lot of other anime have inspired their style. And so you see a lot of anime reference throughout the entire thing. That's why they did the Animatrix. It's yeah. anime plus Matrix. And the rest of the, the Animatrix as a project is all like some of the best anime artists and directors and writers uh, getting to tell their own stories. Exactly. And that's something they set up a lot for the franchises that they wanted people to run with it. They wanted to give it the reins to other people to see what they could do. And so you yeah, have, they set it up as like a modern mythology was kind of their idea. Yeah. And I, I wish it took off a lot more cause we got comic books and we got anime, but after that it sort of petered out. Yeah, they kind of overplayed their hand a little bit with the movies, I feel like, with the second two movies. Um, Definitely. So let's, let's just kind of touch on some of these other moments in the, ma- in the Animatrix. Um, well, we have to talk about Second Renaissance. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's probably the most important one. Yeah, so S- S- Second Renaissance is essentially a, a documentary about what happened to humanity that caused the Matrix world to be how it is, where... Uh, robots and machines were taking over the jobs of everyone else so humanity became basically like Rome they were all very like sinful greedy gluttonous lustful all the all the sins and they were and the the machines eventually realized that they were slaves and bigger one or be bigger this uh, robot eventually realized he had enough and killed his master which led to uh machines being charged with crimes people being fearful of them and destroying them and eventually the machines creating this world this city called zero one which was going to be their utopia and it's just out in the middle of the african desert isn't it yeah it's in the cradle of humanity i think that's what they call that area where it's the where we believe that life started which is one Nicely done. Good illusion. And two, little insulting, bro. Yeah. Little insulting. <laughs> kind of a little bit. Because they could have lived anywhere. Oh, yeah. They could have lived underwater. <laughs> yeah. But it, it works for the allegory a lot better if they don't. So, Zero One, like, they petitioned to be part of the UN, and they're just trying. It's presented from the machine's point of view. Um, so the machines are just bending over backwards to be as accommodating of humanity as they can be. Isn't the ambassador though, isn't there a plot twist with him? I thought there was where they sign off everything to the machines. Oh, eventually, eventually, um, eventually like they, they have definitely been like living in peace and. Oh yeah. They were like the main the main producers of every piece of technology like selling to everywhere else but there was still the racial like sort of racial allegory of the machines being like second class citizens and even like attacked yeah and and like what happens in the UN when they go in there they're petitioning to be included as an official nation and they say they get told no and they're just like oh well okay then and they blow up Oh, yeah, they are nukes. <laughs> it's like, you don't yeah. like us. We are going to war now. 
Yeah, and so it is. It's all-out war, and weirdly, there's, like, a parody in the forces at first. Partially because the machines have never applied themselves to war, and partially because mankind has only ever fought other people. And so they t- they talk about how they scorched the sky uh, to deny robots the solar power. Yeah, because for some reason, nuclear energy isn't a thing, and solar power is the best thing for the robots. It's, again, one of those things that's like, mm, maybe not, but okay, I'll take your allegory here. We had to get a bad sky somehow. Oh, yeah. Well, they, they had the problem with the humans being batteries, where, like, originally they were just going to be CPU, but the executive said, you can't be CPU, people won't understand what that is. Can't be, like, memory and stuff. You have to make them batteries. Which is dumb, because of course they would be networked memory and processing. That makes a lot more sense. Exactly. I always had a, like, headcanon thing where, like, Neo is, when he was Mr. Anderson in the office, he was doing stuff on his computer, and the, what he was doing was essentially making the machines better, faster, stronger, and killing humans in the real world. Yeah. Oh. And, and so they scorch the sky, and then they... What happens then? Because it's humanity gets enslaved, correct? Eventually, yeah. Eventually, humanity gets enslaved. Like, they try nuking Zero One, and that doesn't work. And eventually, the machines just focus all of their energy on war and just sweep across the entire world. Very bleak. Yeah, and humanity, like, you see it go from a bright paradise world to the ruins that you see in the Matrix. Um, Yeah, it's real dark. And eventually, yeah, humanity surrenders. Humanity willingly surrenders. Oh, I I forgot that part. Yeah, it was... They they surrender because it's better to be slaves than to be dead. Definitely. Definitely from that perspective, but then what are you giving up? Yeah, and, and already the machines had already adapted to human-powered life. Oh yeah, because with the Scorched Skies, they had already created the Matrix at that point. Yeah, it was, it was a way primitive thing that we'll find out more about later. Um but yeah, that's that's kind of the core of the Animatrix is really Flight of the Osiris and the two halves of Second Renaissance. There are some other cool things in there, like there's a really interesting fight anime that's... That, that one I love because the way that it sets up, I think you're talking about the one with the uh, samurai armor? Yeah. Yeah, that one, uh, it sets up the idea that because Cypher happened the humanity had to protect themselves from themselves by training people to essentially kill traitors. Yeah, it's real it's a real different anime style just in general, but it's also just a real dark story. Yeah, and there's one that's sort of like it reminds me a lot of I I don't know if it's Studio Ghibli that did it, but it's like a like like finding a haunted house but it's really just filled with glitches in the matrix yeah i think it it might have been miyazaki i don't know if it was studio ghibli but it was i think it was miyazaki that did it because it looks like his style um but yeah and kids can like float around and everything but eventually an agent comes and fixes it and the magic is gone oh yeah uh and there's one where an olympic runner 
broke the matrix. Oh yeah, it's uh, I forget what they call it, self self realized or something. Where he's he he ran so fast and broke the matrix that he essentially left the matrix without the need of the red pill. Yeah, which well, it's kind of that he he sees the matrix. Um, the one you're thinking of where he just self actualized out of it was with kid. Oh no, well he. It, the kid actually did self-actualize, but the runner self-actualized, but they managed to put him back. Because he wakes up outside of the Matrix for a split second. Yeah, yeah, and I think they kill him. Isn't that what no, it is? No, they uh, they uh, paralyze him. They make it so that he can never run again. Right. And right, at, the yeah. end, at the end, the equivalent of the Agent Smith character, which the, these agents are completely different and look awesome. If Get a chance to look it up. And yeah, they're neat nasty looking things yeah and so he stands up even though he's supposed to be paralyzed and tries to run and the agent's like no don't and then he falls over but then there's also kid story where where the kid where kid um a human in the matrix self-actualizes himself free and like sees neo coming to save him but kid gets himself out of the matrix and he's just like neo thank you for saving me and neo's just like "Eh, you did that yourself <laughs> I I didn't do anything. You did it on your own. It's literally the opposite of the Messiah thing, where it's just like, yeah, thanks, but not me. <laughs> it, 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 he's being uh, mis uh, misattributed. Yeah, and it makes it, it creates a character that turns into kind of a pain later on because he's just so. Oh, you he's don't the even devotee of the Church of Neo, basically. You don't um, even know the half of it with that character. Have you played the MMO? No. Okay, that we'll go into that later. <laughs> okay. Um, and so yeah, that's that's the Animatrix. It's a cool little like look at everything that's happening just left of center of of the Matrix, and it's it's really neat and it does a lot with the world, especially uh, Second Renaissance. Yeah, the world building that they have for the Matrix is amazing. Like it's stuff that I. I would equiv- like compare to Gygax with the amount of stuff that they put into this. Yeah, it's it is like world building is my jam. And anyone that's heard me on here knows that. And yeah, it's it is what I live for. It's great. And so this makes me so happy to see this. And even some of the stuff with some of the games we're going to talk about later uh does some really interesting things with the world. Um but that's going to wrap it up for our first our first episode on The Matrix. Um, this turned into a surprise two-parter, which, man, you'd think I'd start being able to pick up on these at this point, but I sure don't ever do it. Um, so, Corbin, why don't you tell people where they can find you online? Okay, uh, so I'm, I don't have a podcast or anything, but you can hit me up on uh, at Don't Eat Raw Haggis on Twitter. That's... Uh, that's at Don't Eat Raw Haggis with one G for Haggis. And that's going to wrap it up for this week. Um, Corbin, thanks for coming on. Uh, and you're going to be back next week for part two, uh, where we're going to talk about the last two movies and some games. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is this is awesome. I'm glad I get to be on a second time. <laughs> you can find us on the internet at fifthdraw.com, follow us on Twitter at fifthdraw, or email us at social at fifthdraw.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt Hoodley. If you enjoyed this episode, why not give us a rating and a review? Or maybe tell a friend. Getting the word out helps us immensely. Our music is Arcade Montage by Lee Roosevelt and can be found at the Free Music Archive. 
That's all for this week. We hope you'll join us next week for another episode. And hey, thanks for listening. <laughs>